Hi, I'm Annie Makala, founding director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. Join us for the Scott Center podcast series as we discuss the ways that we have brought social entrepreneurship education to four to 14 year olds here at Hillbrook School. We believe that social entrepreneurship will be a core part of every child's learning experience. Join us on our journey so that you can have insights into ways you might bring this type of learning to your school. Director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship at Hillbrook School. I'm so excited to be back for um, a new opportunity to share the work of the Scott Center with all of you. And I'm joined today by Matt Callahan and Bill Selick. Throughout these episodes, we'll have a chance to hear from lots of different people that are supporting the work of the Scott Center. And it was fitting today to both um, circle back to Bill Selick, who launched the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship podcast series with me last year. And there are some great episodes that talk about our work over the past couple of years with me and Bill and other guests. We're also really excited to welcome back to Hillbrook and new to the Scott Center, Matt Callahan, as the Associate Director of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. So Matt, will you take a minute to introduce yourself to our community? Some people I'm sure know and remember you well, and there's definitely some new faces to our, to our work at Hillbrook and the Scott Center, and we're just so thrilled to have you back. Yeah, thanks, Annie. Um, so I am Matt Callahan. Um, I taught um, at Hillbrook here uh, a couple of years ago. I was here for about five years. So I started in about 2013. Um, and I've taught um, virtually every grade here. So um, I taught first grade, third grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, was involved in um, the humanities team, did a little bit of work in the seventh and eighth grade. Um, and so I taught uh, history, also taught some English. Well, I, I taught a lot of English while I was here. And um, yeah, I'm just so excited to be back at Hillbrook. Um, I really care about the work that we're doing here. Um, to me, I was really drawn back by the, the mission-driven nature of the school. What's so refreshing is that it's not just about providing an excellent education, which we do. It really is about this idea of reaching beyond ourselves to make a difference in the world. And so to me, that's so refreshing and so important. You know, there's a lot of schools that are providing excellent education for students and this ability and this emphasis on really reaching beyond ourselves to make a difference in the world and having students participate in that is so, so, so important to me. And so I'm just really excited to be back. That's awesome, Matt. By the way, I'm Bill Selleck. I'm our director of technology at Hillbrook. Um, it feels almost like you haven't left, Matt. Yeah, you know, I've been sharing stuff out on social media and, and you've been most people that's been, you know, regularly commenting on it. And you and I have definitely kept in touch and, you know, heard about the launch of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship as it was happening. Um, it's so awesome having you back. Thanks, Bill. And along those lines, so huge shout out to Bill, who is um, host emeritus to this season, <laughs> but also has um, has taken on the role of really helping the Scott Center on the technology side of sharing our mission and vision along with Hillbrook School. So um, we wanted to take a second both to recognize Bill's work that you'll hear him throughout the season, but he's also teaching us how um, to use podcasting as a tool for sharing the work of the Scott Center. And we've had great fun and great opportunity to do that alongside students in the past. So we'll look forward to the many different ways that we share the story of the Scott Center via podcasting. And thanks so much to Bill for your support in making it happen. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Annie. You and I started, what, one or two years ago now with the, the Center for Teaching Excellence podcast. 
and now you are the full-time host of this podcast. So excited to, to hop on when I can. Yeah, it's awesome. So we thought we would start by sharing for you know people that are new to social entrepreneurship education or even people that you know have, have heard of it and are experiencing it but want a little bit more clarity of, of what that might look like both for students and for adults. Um, we thought we would start by just sharing the vision of our work at the Scott Center. We are so grateful to have been doing this work at Holbrook School for the past three and a half years. In 2017, we launched the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship in partnership with the Scott Foundation and Hillbrook School. Thanks to a generous donation by the Scott Foundation, we're able to do this work for junior kindergartners through eighth graders at Hillbrook School, but we're also deeply interested in how we share our work with other educators and learners from around the world, both here in Los Gatos and San Jose, but also connecting with schools that are bringing social entrepreneurship education into classrooms. Huge thank you to Kevin and Shannon Scott for making this work possible. And thanks to the Hillbrook vision to reach beyond ourselves and make a difference in the world um, for being the catalyst to launch this center at the school. We believe deeply that whether you're four or 104, social entrepreneurship education is critical to building the right skill set and mindset to make a difference in the world. So when we talk about this work, we often talk about it connected to six pillars of social entrepreneurship education. It's a new field and it's a new term. So sometimes people um, have questions about what we mean. Do, when we talk about entrepreneurship, are we asking second graders to launch businesses? That is a tiny piece of what we do in, in all reality. We are not afraid to talk to children about business and finance, but it is one of our six pillars. We really believe that social entrepreneurship education is about building an entrepreneurial mindset. Our vision at the Scott Center is to help learners see the world as it is, imagine what it might be, and figure out who you need to work with in order to make a positive impact on people and the planet. That's really what we mean when we say reach beyond. And that can look very different depending on the kind of student we're working with, the kind of educator that's leading the lesson. But we believe every child, every person is entrepreneurial, and it's our goal to help them experience what that looks like day-to-day, -day, but also in a long-term trajectory. We have students that when they come in at four years old, have the same thing that matters to them when they graduate in eighth grade. So, you know, they've been talking about protecting animals, sometimes specifically like a white rhino. I can remember a student who was really focused on saving the white rhinos. And so what we did with that student is help him apply an entrepreneurial social impact lens to think about what matters most to him, the white rhino, what are the things that he can do to make a difference? And so those are the questions that guide our work at the Scott Center. We ask everyone, whether you're four or 104, what matters to you? What are you doing about it? What can you do about it? So Matt, as we welcomed you back to the Scott Center, we also spent some time seeing school as it is and imagining what school could be. And that's led to the launch of a couple new classes, which we'll talk about in a little bit, but we wanted to first take the opportunity to ground ourselves in these six pillars. There's a lot of things that come to mind when you start talking about social entrepreneurship education. And sometimes we confuse it with service learning or design thinking um, or community engagement. And though all of those things connect to social entrepreneurship education, we really believe that in order to do this fully and to do this really well, you need to be doing all six pillars 
um, of social entrepreneurship education. So we're going to talk briefly about each one. And then we'll, we're going to give you a resource if you're listening and you want to dig deeper into these six pillars. We have one resource connected to each one. These are not resources that um, we necessarily designed. We're grateful to many partners that we work alongside um, that have driven this work home. So Matt, here's your first test of being part of the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. Can you name off the top of your head the pillars of social entrepreneurship education? Okay, so there's story, civics, finance, agency, systems. Oh, man. Design, design, design. It's awesome. I still sometimes have, it's like the brain block. I think your brain can remember like four things immediately. And so we talk, we joke a lot about this at the Scott Center that like there's always a couple that just always come to mind. And then there's a few that seem so obvious in the moment, but then you got to like really got to find them deep down inside your, your brain cells. Yeah. I think um, it shows maybe some of my bias too, like what I'm drawn to. Like I really love story and civics and agency. uh, And some of the other ones are a little bit messier for me. So maybe it's kind of what you're drawn to. Absolutely. So I'll, I'll give a little bit of background around how we came up with these six pillars as we were thinking about it. And then we'll, we'll talk a little bit more specifically about each one. When we launched the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship, we were really the first JK to eighth grade center of this type. So there was, there was lots of um, work happening in community engagement. Design thinking was becoming a, a pretty well-known term. My background was in social entrepreneurship and higher education. So I was working with college and graduate students on this in this field and, and really understanding the ways in which we could prioritize having um, positive impact on people and planet. We talked about the three P's, people, planet, partnership, which if you apply that to a business lens, you're talking about people, planet, profit. And so in the educational world, we were trying to understand what does it look like to break down this work so that even our youngest students can find it approachable. And really, that was the drive of of being able to define social entrepreneurship education so that it didn't just become another buzzword or another thing that people kind of referred to um, on the outskirts of education, but that we were able to really pull this entrepreneurial thinking and learning as a rigorous form of academic learning. I think it's some of the most difficult learning to do if you're doing it well, because it requires you to pull from lots of different classes and lots of different experiences. Um, But we also found, which was really exciting, that four to 14-year-olds are perfectly situated to do this work well. Their brains are magnets to this kind of thinking. And so we wanted to prioritize the ways in which we could make space for that learning to happen both in really specific social entrepreneurship classes, but also that it could be applied to English classes and math classes and history classes. So the six pillars are broad enough, as you've heard, to make space for lots of different kind of learning. But when we say you need to be doing all six, we're really talking about a set of questions driven by these six pillars that help students turn big ideas into real impact. So Matt, maybe let's start by talking about some of your favorite pillars. Let's talk a little bit about story. What is what is it that you're so drawn to with the, the pillar of story? I mean, I think as a former English teacher and a historian, you know, the, to me, the story is um, at once you know, these things, this thing that we're so constantly drawn to um, in terms of 
relating with one another or understanding the past or, um, you know, just learning in general. Uh, but also, I, I don't remember where this quote came from, but someone once said, and I, I picked it up, was um, that we're not data processing machines as humans. We are narrative processing machines. And there's this way in which narratives not only entertain us or, you know, tell us important information about the past, but they also shape the way that we think about things. And so I think story is such a powerful and often overlooked vehicle for social change. And, you know, it can't be too didactic or too pedantic. It's, it's got to be more uh, subtle. It's like, you know, through the back door, change through the back door. And I think it's so important um, that we start to value that as a society, as a way that we can change hearts and minds and, um, and, and have people learn about one another. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And, you know, as someone who, when I was my youngest, like four and five, used to sleep in my bed surrounded by all of my picture books. It was like my source of safety. I didn't have stuffed animals. I like hugged my picture books to sleep at night. Um, I think that's an important piece of like how children process difference, how children process um, lives that, that may feel very similar, but also lives that feel very different. And whether it's a picture book, a chapter book, whether it's a story that you're listening to or a story that you're seeing, we know that it is one of the best forms of education, four to, four to 104. And, you know, the history of storytelling that's passed down generation to generation remains such a critical part of understanding identity and understanding what matters to you in the world. Um, over the summer, we had a social impact book club which met every Monday morning in um, place of our Monday morning flag over the summer. And it was an opportunity for us to bring, we usually had between 10 and 15 lower school students. Occasionally a middle school student would pop in if they were really craving a picture book storytelling time. Um, we prioritized reading books by authors of color and we prioritized narratives that really shared a different way that you can be a change maker. So there's no single way to be a social entrepreneur or a change maker. And we really wanted to democratize, you know, what that looks like for our students. And so that was a really fun way to share the, the role of story in, in the work of the Scott Center. The resource that we're going to share with you is one of my absolute all-time favorites. It's a podcast that I listen to all the time. And any opportunity we get to use this with faculty, with families, with children, um, it always proves to be this space that you're like, I learned so many new things about someone that I sit next to for eight hours a day, five days a week. And that is our partnership with StoryCorps. So StoryCorps is, um, it's an app, it's a website. We'll link it to this podcast episode. And it's an opportunity to, to record an interview between two people. And StoryCorps gives you suggested questions that allow for you to both be a storyteller and a story listener. So we encourage people as you're as you're you know digging into this topic, this pillar of story, to you know both be readers, be listeners of stories, but also be tellers of your stories. These things matter. They matter to children. They matter to the community that you're part of. Um, and StoryCorps is all about preserving those stories for years and years to come. So check out StoryCorps. You can start by listening to the podcast and then you know test out. We have big family holidays coming, and even in the time of COVID-19, you know, you can do interviews virtually. It's, it's one of the best gifts I think you can give family members is the chance to record a story between a, a child and a grandfather or, you know, an aunt and a cousin, a best friend that you haven't reconnected with in a long time. So we're, we're really excited. 
story is, is definitely going to be the pillar that I think is most accessible to school leaders, to educators, to children. Um, but we're going to push you to dig a little bit deeper into that pillar. All right, which one's up next, Bill? You get to you get to tell us. So up next, let's actually jump into finance. I remember when when we did this last season on the CTE podcast, I just did not see how this related to JK8 students. And by the end of our conversation, by the end of the stories that I heard you tell, um, I was blown away by how accessible and how critical it is for um, for just education period. You know, so I, I remember like there's there's different types of capital, right? There's there's like social capital, there's yep. money capital. Is that right? Yep. Financial, um, experiential capital, spiritual capital. Yeah, eight types of capital. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you know in that episode, like you know, digging into that more, but just the the idea that how you spend what you have, and it's not just finances, right? Yep. Um, makes a difference, you know, so that's most basic. It's I'm going to buy this soap instead of that soap. And, you know, your money's a vote that way. But it's also I'm choosing to share this on social media to my followers. I'm choosing to spend my time on this thing. Um, and that, you know, it's, it's really changed the way I look at how I support things and then what I choose to do to support those things. It's been really powerful for me. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I know, you know, this is the pillar that often uh, chokes people, you know, they, they hear it and they kind of have like an icky like, oh, you're going to talk to kids about money like eh, that's kind of a personal topic. And it's a little bit, you know, you're you're treading in some some unknown territory. And that is true. And we are deeply thoughtful about how we go about the conversations. But I think I believe deeply that we've done a disservice to children to our communities, to our societies, by not talking about finance as a system that can be shaped and shifted by everyone. So we're all part of the system of finance, whether you know we agree with the choices that are being made or not. Um, but we all live within it, and we all, whether you know we're four or a hundred and four, have a role in shaping and shifting it. And I love that that you named the tagline that we usually use with this, which is "Your dollar is a vote." Because for students, especially middle school students who can't vote formally in a political system, they can vote formally with their dollars. And that's very empowering to students. You know, whether you gave the great example one time of shopping with your daughters and, you know, they were, I think, first and second grade at the time. And we'd just done this mini lesson on B corporations and fair trade. And, you know, they found the B Corp soap and were really excited to be able to explain even just in basic terms what, what that meant and why it was better um, for people and for the planet. And so, you know, at its core, that's really what we're talking about when we talk about finance. We're talking about, you know, the tool of finance um, for social change. And seeing it that way is is really empowering. We do a lot around this this pillar. It's one that, you know, we really feel like we're leading in K-12 education. Um, and it's a space for us to also think about what does it mean to think about like time, talent, trust, and treasure as part of our financial education? You know, there's no better age to talk about fair trade than with four and five-year-olds because they are always talking about things being fair or unfair. All you have to do is hang out on the playground for about 10 minutes and you hear that word fair many, many times. It's perfectly accessible to a young child. Um, Trading is also something four and five-year-olds love to do. And then, you know, of course, first, second, third, fourth, these are all 
very accessible terms. And then, you know, it's, it's our job to think about what that looks like to turn it into a really interesting episode and um, using the certifications like fair trade, like B corporations, um, but even a, you know, a partnership with Kiva, which is our microfinance partner and talking about who has access to finance, who's left out of the system. You know, what does, what does having lots of entrepreneurs in your community do for society? These are big questions that are actually pretty easily digestible when you make space for it in conversations, whether that's a math class, whether that's in an elective. Um, and I think, you know, just giving children the space to experiment a little bit with, with money and finance and build that terminology is, is really empowering. Matt, what would you add? This is a pillar I know that you at first were like, ooh. Yeah, I mean, to me, I just, it wasn't even a question of whether or not we have to talk about it. It was more of a question of like, I don't know how to talk about it. And then I've started to realize that it's such a, it's such a broad category that um, there's so much inside of it. And it's, you're right, it's so important that we do discuss it with students. And so like a, a good example that just came up the other day is we were talking about, we're using climate change as a test case for the six pillars. And somebody, we would, we had talked about Greta Thunberg and somebody's like, but Greta Thunberg is not talking about finance. And then there was a pause for about 10 seconds. And then it was like, okay, well, I guess she is, but she's not, that's not her main. And it was, so it was this realization of like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, her criticism is of the financial system that does lead to production and consumption. Um, and so she is in essence talking about finance, even though that might not be the main uh, mode of her uh, engagement with the issue. And so, you know, I've really come to see how even if you you come from a maybe an anti-capitalist or a, maybe you're a skeptic of capitalism, you know, where you're still you're still discussing finance, you might just be in a different mode than somebody else is look, looking at it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so even just in the past week, it's been so exciting because, you know, I, I, my background is in gender lens investing, impact investing, and sort of understanding that field as a future form of reimagining capitalism. And it always, it always made me really mad that we weren't talking to younger kids about this, especially younger girls that, you know, we want them to see a future and in, in that career path. And, and so the same way we talk about the need to, to give examples of women and, and tech, in science, I also think we need to be giving examples of women in the financial industry. Um, over the weekend in the New York Times, there was a great article about Milton Friedman's essay 50 years ago. Um, and, you know, what, what do we get right with that essay? And, and where were the gaps? And where are we seeing shifts in how we think about um, the role of business? And I think that's a debate we could have in an eighth grade class. I mean, that's that would be a really interesting conversation. Um, the, the cover of the Stanford, Stanford Social Innovation Review, this issue is about the future of B Corp being the future of business. And again, you know, we're going to fall on all the sides of whether this is true or not, or, you know, what things do we have to maintain in order to keep a healthy economy. But these kind of debates, these kind of discussions with children alongside of children um, can be really empowering to understand the way in which, you know, the world works and the way in which you can reach beyond and make a difference. And, you know, the word sustainability applied both to the environment and to finances is really about turning ideas into long-term impact. And, you know, with, if, if you're trying to do that work outside of the financial system, 
it's likely not going to be sustainable for very long. And we know that to be true with nonprofit work. We know that to be true with for-profit work, social enterprises. So I think we're also trying to set children up for really understanding what it looks like to have the support and structures in place to, you know, to be longtime social entrepreneurs. All right, let's move on to one that is top of mind for many of us, maybe all of us, which is the pillar of civics. And Matt, you get a huge credit because when we were launching the Scott Center, you and Ilsa and other colleagues, you know, that I was talking to and interviewing and really trying to understand, like, what, what things do we have to make sure we name as part of social entrepreneurship education? You and I talked a lot about civics. So I'm going to turn this one over to you to share a little bit about what, what you love most about this pillar. Yeah, as a former civics teacher, civics is, is so important to me, especially for middle schoolers who are so interested in thinking about social justice and fairness, and for our youngest learners, too, who are really interested in fairness, and, and they're really focused on what communities they're a part of. So we use this uh, sort of question as we tee students up to think about civics, and it's really about which communities are you a part of? Um, and then it's like, what do you what do you care about? What do you what matters to you, and what are you doing about it? And and those are so deeply interrelated with the understanding the civic process, um, and how we make change in our community. So to me, civics is so important for um, all of our students to be thinking about as they think about the change that they want to see in the world and how they mobilize their communities to make that change happen. That's awesome. And really, really well said. You know, I think that what matters to me and what are you doing about it are, are the framework for social entrepreneurship education. You know, we, we brought those questions both to our Reach Beyond block, but also to, you know, the, the work of social entrepreneurship. And civic engagement really is the framework that allows us to dig deep into those, um, those questions. And then, you know, there's also this like, additional layer of micro civics, which, you know, even this morning at FLAG, we had to choose students, a lower school student and a middle school student share, you know, what are the day-to-day things that you can commit to doing? They might feel really small in the moment, but over time, as you build that muscle and you add them together, you're, you're making big change. So, you know, whether it's sending a note of gratitude to firefighters that are, you know, working around the clock to keep our community safe, um, or partnering with an organization like Uplift Family Services, which is providing necessary school supplies to children in the foster care system. Like these are these are really local, specific examples, um, but they're accessible to students, and they're a great reminder that civic engagement. We don't have to wait till we're eighteen. We don't have to wait till we have a lot of financial capital to be engaged. Um, and our our Reach Beyond Block theme in the middle school this. Um, first 10 weeks is is really about understanding the election, understanding and applying an anti-racist lens to our thinking about um, the election and other topics. And so it's been really it's been really great to have space with children each week to talk about um, the system of civics and the ways in which it in, it influences our day to day lives. I do want to name I we've been moving pretty quickly. So you know our resource for finance, hop on Kiva make a $25 microloan, watch the way in which that money is recyclable. Kids of all ages love to see the moment in which a Kiva entrepreneur repays their loan and you get to reinvest that in a different entrepreneur. So kiva.org for our finance resource. And then um, an organization we've, we've worked with for the past year is called Close Up. It was an organization that we were connected to through our, our national network of schools and partnership membership. And two Hillbrook middle schoolers were part of a national 
cohort of students that worked on social impact projects with kids across the country. We heard from Julia Kennedy about her work with this organization tied to veterans. But Close Up is doing incredible work around the election and around what it means to be an active um, citizen, both in the United States and globally. So we really recommend checking out the resources from Close Up. Systems. Oh, this one always gives me a little bit of the chills because it's the part where you really like step back and you start thinking about like, oh, in reality, I would want to work in every single system to be a good social entrepreneur. That's like our instinct. But of course, then, you know, you're not actually making that deep impact that we know we want to make. So when we start thinking about systems, I think it's also uh, cueing children, cueing adults into thinking about, you know, where are you trying to make a difference? And, and how can you do that in a way that, um, sure, you know, it might span lots of systems long term, but starting with one and understanding one is, is really going to help you um, help you make that impact that you're looking to make. So when we talk about systems, we're really talking about reshaping social and environmental structures that perpetuate injustice, shifting the equilibrium to a more just society. So, you know, we've done things like Sports Beyond Borders and our Reach Beyond Blocks. We've looked at the power of protests you know, tied to our San Jose State connection in, in which you know students learned about Tommy Smith and John Carlos in the 1968 Mexico City Olympic protests. And you know, really understanding the system in which you're going to commit to, whether that's government, finance, education, healthcare. Um, we use the 17... United Nations Sustainable Development Goals to give us some language around different systems. But it's also a chance um, for, for children to understand that different people are in charge of different systems. So we elect people into positions within the government system. So that's what we've been able to talk about more in Reach Beyond. But in other systems, you know, people come to power, people have responsibilities within those systems in different ways. Um, and so as we, we begin to understand that, I think it also shows children and, and adults the different avenues to entrepreneurship and to making a difference. On Annie, is this the one we talked about how you can shape and shift systems? Absolutely. Where, yes. Where you don't have to be like a government official or, you know, like run for election to actually like make a difference. Yeah. I was even thinking of just like the simple example. We've heard a lot more about this during um, quarantine, but, you know, of, of shaping the systems of local restaurants, like writing a positive review for a restaurant that you love going to is just a really small way that you can have influence in that system. Asking at a restaurant, you know, are you using sustainable seafood on your menu? I'd love to, you know, know more about where you're sourcing your food from. I, I'm a supporter as a customer of, you know, small farms, farm to table, sustainable agriculture. So sometimes it's just about the questions you ask at the places that, you know, you're a regular or you spend a lot of time. That's really how the B Corp movement started. That's how impact investing started. It, it started with people just beginning to ask big questions. Um, and so we know that systems change, system change can happen in, in really small ways and really big ways. And our job as educators is to, to help children think about those changes and, and give them the toolkit um, to do something about it. I also just want to name, because I think it's something, you know, that intersects your work, Bill, and something you and I talk a lot about. And, you know, our partnership with the Scott Foundation has helped deepen our thinking on this. 
which is the role of technology and social change. And, and really when we see technology as a system that provides opportunity, um, that's really empowering. Whether it's finance, when we're looking at the future of cryptocurrency, or you know, whether it's the future of artificial intelligence to, to really drive some of the social change work we're talking about in connection to sustainability. Um, we don't shy away from, from tough conversations, but critical conversations around technology and all of the opportunities and amazing things that could come from you know, being able to do these small changes at a really big scale. Yeah. And I mean, the one thing that really sticks out to me when um, suddenly most of the world went to remote learning overnight uh, was looking at Wi-Fi access and how unequitable that system is. Uh, and I think that that a lot of places have solved things pretty quickly, but that's definitely something that that comes to top of mind when we talk about equity and systems and technology. Yeah. So here's our um, here's our plug for a resource. It's actually a book, and it's the book written by Kevin Scott, Reprogramming the American Dream from Rural America to Silicon Valley, Making AI Service All. So definitely the topic you just brought up, Phil, but it was a book, you know, as someone from Louisville, Kentucky, and who's often thinking about, you know, how does entrepreneurship and how does access show up for people that don't live on the on the two coasts? Um, I really loved this book and I really loved the opportunity to think both about, you know, what are the ways in which technology is going to make the world more equitable for all of us, but also, you know, what are the big questions we need to be thinking about as, as this technology evolves? Um, and, and I have these conversations again with sixth, seventh, eighth graders. It's, it's amazing, um, you know, the ways in which they're already beating us in, in their use of technology and, and thinking deeper about um, you know, whether it's an influencer on TikTok, I had students talk about the sustainable development goals tied to um, TikTok in the spring. And I thought they were talking about TED Talks. And I thought I was, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I watched a TED Talk last night, too, and had to, you know, eat my words, I guess, um, because they were talking about TikToks in connection to the sustainable development goals. But it is that it is that opportunity to really see things um both in terms of like what isn't working within the system, but but also not sit too long in that space. That's why our vision at the Scott Center is to see the world as it is, all of the injustices, all of the great things that are happening, and then apply this idea of imagining what it could be. That's real entrepreneurship education at its best, um, is to allow children and adults the space to, to see the possibilities. Speaking of possibilities, let's go to the design pillar, because this is one that many of our teachers at Hillbrook and in education at large um, are drawn to think deeply about. And, you know, thanks to the work of, of many people, including Stanford D School and IDEO, we have a great frameworks for thinking about um, human-centered design as a part of our, our problem solving and our social impact projects. Matt, you and I recently have been talking about um, a resource that was designed by the D School called Liberatory Design Cards. Um, a former employee of the Scott Center, Ellen, was a, played a big role in, in connecting me to this work. And really, the goal of these of these cards is to connect design thinking with equity work, and to see design as an opportunity um, to know the needs of a community before you start solving for them. What else would you add as um, someone who I know has, has both of you? Because, you know, Bill, this is something you think about deeply mm -hmm. with the hub and all of the ways that, you know, we're going to be using project-based learning as a core part of students' experience. 
Yeah, so I think that's a great question, looking at, at making and kind of the maker movement and making um, the connection between social impact and making. So I think that the trick is that you can very quickly get a lot of reps in, a lot of you know ideas, and it's never just, here's my project, I'm done, which is so much of what school has always been. Do the thing, here's the thing, check that off the list, let's go to the next thing. But it's really looking at what is the need? Here's my first attempt at that. How is it? Here's my second attempt at it. How is that? Here's my third and fourth and fifth and 80th attempt at it, right? That stick to um, I think that's really the power and the intersection of like technology of making of social impact work where it, it ceases being just these one-off tasks that we um, are definitely in the habit of doing as teachers right and and really like making like a genuine like what is the need and how do we actually fix that i'm very interested in liberatory design and especially how it intersects with uh, maybe communities that haven't been at the center of our thinking about design i know there's this catchphrase about human-centered design and i think often we have uh, one type of human or a, a subgroup of human at the center of those designs um, and so any, I'm a, uh, obviously as a, a fan of history, someone who's read a lot of history, I'm, I'm all about uncovering, uh, stories, hidden stories under, under reported stories. Um, and then learning from those about what, how we can truly represent all humans in the design work that we're doing. So, yeah, no, this is super interesting to me. And it's a great reminder, right? That, you know, um, we have built the world, so we have the ability to design different things to serve the needs both of, you know, what, is, what isn't working well. We can design out of that, and we can design into what we hope um, the future will be. I, I often talk about this exercise that I did alongside um, an incredible educator down in Salinas Valley, Monterey, where we, you do the, like, worst idea factory so before you launch into a new project, you come up with all the worst ideas you could possibly think of tied to that project. And, you know, what it does is it kind of flushes our brain of, of all the different ways that we're experiencing design every day, whether that's the design of classrooms. We're lucky to work at a school that, that's really thoughtful about how we set up our learning spaces. Um, but also just like the design of cities. We did a great um, mini course this year with my brother. Shout out to, you know, being able to bring your brother to work day during virtual learning. And Daniel is an urban planner and design and designer and um, was actually partnered with the city of San Jose. He's based in Denver, Colorado, but partnered with the city of San Jose to think about their recovery plan um, post quarantine post COVID-19 and was able to come in with a group of sixth graders and really talk about what does it mean to design a city? Like, what are the things that you need to think about, whether it's open space, green space, preservation of parks, um, access to healthy food, parking spaces, like all of these pieces of city structures are based on the ways that we think about design and the questions we're willing to ask when building something. I also just love that we're launching the hub. We finally got our last, you know, seal of approval. And that space is going to be magical for children to, you know, to not just talk about this work because entrepreneurship um, really is about getting your hands messy, building, creating, and the hub is going to be our best partner in doing that work well. 
All right. So our um our resource for that is is the liberatory design cards, and those are free. You can download them online. There's also um you know the the National Equity Project is the partner of the liberatory design cards. So definitely check those those two resources out. Um, there's so much good design thinking work that you can access, and many of our teachers will. Um, you know, we're going to spend quite a bit of time talking about the design thinking process. So that's an area of, of real confidence at Hillbrook. The last pillar is often one that I um, wonder if it should be a pillar or if it's just the actual work of students in this field. So it's the pillar is agency. And really, when we talk about agency, we're talking about the what are you doing about it? What can you do about it? What should you do about it? What might you do about it? Part of our work. Um, and so, you know, at some point, my guess, maybe it'll be this year with, with our eighth graders in the social impact leadership class, um, we're going to get some advice to add a pillar. And, you know, agency really, I think, is like the heartbeat of this work. It's student voice and choice. It's the ability to, you know, not sit back and wait for someone else to make a change, um, but to think about the role you want to play. And then, you know, not to be the heropreneur. So we all have good ideas, but we need to think about who we can work with in order to turn these ideas into real impact. Um, I believe deeply there's no such thing as being an entrepreneur all by yourself. You can be an innovator on your own and you need space and time to be in the, in the innovation process. But to be an entrepreneur, especially a social entrepreneur, you have to have the ability to connect your work with people that also care about it and also want to see it thrive. So when we talk about agency, you know, we're talking about everything from like, what will it look like to sustain the inner change maker inside of you? Um, and then also what are gonna be the immediate next steps that you can take to address this local or global um, challenge or problem that, that really matters to you? We talk about things really simple, like our visit to Island School, um, and Cape Alucra, Bahamas, where we learned to take two-minute showers because it was better for the planet. Um, you know, we learned to measure our food waste at the end of every meal, take less, and come back for seconds. Um, we, we talked about, you know, the student's favorite one was, of course, about what you flush down your toilet and where that ends up. And, you know, how do you make sure that, that you're doing small things every day that have big impact? What else would you add? Agency is... is yeah, so powerful, but it's also one, you know, that I think, Bill, what, what would you say? What would you add? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing that really strikes me, and, you know, this goes back to kind of my initial assumptions around social entrepreneurship is like, how does this work for elementary? Like, I get it for high school and college. Um, and then, you know, hearing my, uh, my now kindergartner talk about how he wants to make a difference in the world and like problems he sees in the world um, kind of blows my mind. You know, we were talking about how we were staying at home and quarantining. Um, and then he asked, you know, well, like, what do you do if you're homeless? Mm -hmm. That's, that's really, that's really hard to stay home because you don't, you don't have a home. Um, and he was like, wow, that's, that must be really scary for them. I said, yeah. And he's like, like in, in like true, like Hillbrook fashion, he's like, well, well then we need to build some houses for them. Right. And then my, you know, my daughter who's now in third was, you know, one of her, her hopes was to, to build homes for all the homeless people so that they can all have homes. And he just jumped right on into that and was like, well, you know, these people, like if they need to stay home in quarantine, we have to 
build them homes. So that's, that's what I'm going to do in my life. Um, and that it, it wasn't like someone needs to fix that. It was a, here's what I'm going to do. You know, so at some point, all three of my kids have decided that they're going to devote themselves to building homes for all the homeless people, um, which is such like a beautiful thing to, you know, endeavor to do. That's awesome. Yeah. You know, one of the, the great conversations I often have with Shannon Hunt Scott, our donor and, and Mark Silver is, you know, thinking about like, what does it mean to sit alongside people to do this work in partnership and, and Shannon's um, work in East San Jose and with organizations focused on education and um, technology and, you know, really understanding like, what is it, what could it look like if we all committed to doing this work together and we took the small steps day by day to make the community that we are part of better for everyone. And I love those conversations because it just begins to, to open your mind, you know, whether it's our, our partnership with Mexican, Mexican Heritage Plaza, um, you know, our ability to, to work with um, Veggie Lucian in East San Jose and learn about access to healthy foods and parts of our city that have historically been food deserts. You know, these are partnerships that 20, 25 minutes from campus, we can continue to build over time. The Tech Interactive is another great partner that, that really connects this, this work of design and um, agency at its core. And so we, we spend a lot of time with students down in that space. And, you know, so this is social entrepreneurship education really is about agency. And so for this resource, for this, this pillar, we're going to push you towards our website, scottcentersc.org, where we have a downloadable postcard. And all of our students and families, as they come to Hillbrook, receive this postcard and we ask them to answer the question. Follow us on social media because it's where we share the answers to these questions. Um, but we really encourage anyone to listen, anyone listening right now and anyone interested in, in really beginning the work of social entrepreneurship education to think about their answers to those two questions. And then if you're looking for a more global resource, um, check out the 17 Sustainable Development Goals by the United Nations because that's a framework that we've used across JK to eighth grade with a high school summer camps as well. Um, there's a great partnership with Thomas the Train so that even our youngest students can really um, make this work accessible. We had a group of students over the summer create their own magical train set that would make a difference in the world. And it totally blew our mind, you know, what, what students are thinking about. But that framework, looking at year 2030 as kind of the like goal of doing this work well, give students a very concrete idea of like, okay, zero poverty, quality education, gender equality, these are topics. And I can begin to understand where I fit into, um, into this work and, and the ones that matter most to me. So I can't say enough good things about the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And then of course, we, we hope you'll work, you know, really locally with us at the Scott Center as we continue to do this work at Holbrook School and beyond. Um, and we're so grateful for anyone that's willing to share thoughts with us, be in the ideation phase, but also, you know, is, is rolling up their sleeves and doing the real work of the Scott Center. And I'm so grateful to both Matt and Bill for your partnership, both in the podcast today, but, but in all the ways that you both are helping us grow the work of the center on and off campus. Um, huge shout out to the Scott Foundation that makes this work possible at Hobart School and beyond. Um, and to our senior leadership team, to our faculty team, to our students, I can't tell you how many emails I get from students saying, Ms. Mack, 
I have an idea. Let's meet. Let's talk about it. Um, and it's intersecting everything from ice hockey to politics to service learning. You know, our, our students care deeply about the world. They are aware of the things that are going on and, and they really want to make a difference. And the Scott Center is our opportunity to do that in big and small ways. So this was a longer episode than we intended because we had so many great things to talk about. Thank you so much, Matt and Bill, for joining us. And we hope you'll join us for future episodes of the Scott Center podcast. Thanks, Annie. Thank you, Annie. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Scott Center podcast series. The Scott Center was made possible by a generous grant from the Scott Foundation. As a first-of-its-kind center launched and housed at Hillbrook School, the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship puts student engagement and learning at the center of our work. We ask children and adults two core questions. What matters to you, and what are you doing about it? Six pillars guide our work at the Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. Design, story, civics, systems, finance, and agency. The best version of social entrepreneurship education is achieved when learners engage deeply with all six pillars. This episode was produced by Bill Selleck, Director of Technology and Master of All Podcasts at Hillbrook School. Follow us on our social media channels. You can search for Scott Center for Social Entrepreneurship. Subscribe to the podcast series so you don't miss an episode. We look forward to you joining us next time.